1: Welcome to the Ball Blast Podcast, here to help you
0: get ballsy and win your fantasy football leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Kay Majuk, Michelle Majuk, and Jake Trowbridge.
1: Welcome into the Ball Blast Podcast, everybody. We are here to talk some fantasy football. We're here to get ballsy and help you win all of your fantasy football leagues. I am your host, Kate. You could follow me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And I'm Michelle. You can follow me at BallBlastM, Ballblastem. E-M.
0: And I'm Jake. You can follow me at Jake Trowbridge with a W.
1: Be sure to check out BallBlastFootball.com. Lots of goodies going out. We just dropped the guide, the betting guide, the ultimate betting guide by Brandon Schumacher. It was absolutely killer. Everything you could ever want to know about sports betting, about betting NFL, lots of examples. I learned so much while editing it, so I am privileged uh, for that knowledge here. But it's available to our Patreon subscribers, $10 tier and up, free. And you will win that money back uh, tenfold, 20-fold. Easy. Easy. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. So yeah, let's talk some fantasy football, guys. There's literally nothing to talk about. Well, that's rude. We, uh.
0: <laughs> Show some, over. We're done. We've,
1: <laughs> we've had some
2: minicamp news. You know, Travis Etienne is apparently just going to be a wide receiver, according to all of Twitter that takes things way too literally. It was a three day minicamp, guys. And Urban Meyer said he was going to be just doing the wide receiver drills for the three days of minicamp, not for the entire offseason. Relax.
0: But there's no time like the present to have a meltdown on Twitter, Michelle.
2: Oh, my goodness. Everyone was like, see, James Robinson is still going to get all the carries. Like, no, he's not. He'll still be involved, yes. But Travis Etienne will be a running back. And he will also get wide receiver snaps. So that's fantastic. That's what we want in fantasy. And I'm not even like a big Travis Etienne truther. I just like... It's it's it was day one and people already had their minds up on Travis Etienne. And then also they said like he was dealing with like a shoulder injury, so that's why he was doing wide receiver drills. So it's like okay, everyone take leave a big, him alone. deep alone. And then also the biggest news of the week, we got a picture from Mike Davis working out on the field, and he looked uh, like he was two hundred and fifty pounds full of muscle. The talk of the town. You know, you're kind of the talk of the,
0: town. talk of the town. You're the talk of the town. Talk of the town. 175 pounds of that muscle looks like it's in his thigh meat, too, oh which God. is a big. It's a bit. I was hypnotized just looking at that oh, picture on Twitter. Oh, it was I woo, love that.
1: looking at the photo. I will say, my first thought, you know, the just the typical chicken wing, the drumstick. I just pictured if we flipped that upside down, that was what his leg looked like. And he was just running (laughs) on on the little bone part of the chicken thigh. It it was a very, uh, very interesting, interesting photo. His arm muscles look actually bigger than like
2: DK's. Ooh. I don't know if bulking up like a linebacker is going to... It's not like he was ever like a speedster. And it's not like he was running away from defenders. So I don't know if getting bulked up is really going to help him at all. Uh, Maybe miss some more tackles, which he was actually pretty good at doing in 2020. But I think he was good at doing it because the defenders got to him so quick. Because his uh, yards for carry was pretty terrible. And his yards after carry was nothing special. So he was breaking tackles, but he still wasn't getting very many yards on the ground.
1: But more importantly, what does this mean for the Atlanta Falcons? Do we actually think he's going to be the guy? Is there any universe that they make a move on the in the trade market? They don't have any money. So that's the one good thing that Mike Davis has in his belt is they're just completely strapped financially. I think they have about $300,000 in cap space right now and they're they're really hurting. So I don't think that they can have a lot of wiggle room there. If they wanted to bring in somebody, they'd have to make a lot of moves on the other end. They had plenty <laughs>
2: of chances this offseason in the draft. They're clearly just going in with Mike Davis, and he is by far the best running back on the roster. I mean, there is nobody else. Like, Javion Hawkins, people are excited about. what Was he undrafted or sixth or seventh round? I don't even know because it doesn't matter. He was undrafted. He's 183 pounds, <laughs> so... I don't care about Hawkins. Like, I just <laughs> know 183 pound running backs don't typically become a thing. Undrafted running backs don't typically become a thing. So put those together and you just, you have uh, nobody.
1: You have nobody. You can get but some what do we realistically. Maybe? Yeah.
2: maybe. But they don't really need passing down. They don't need pass catchers. They need a running back. So I do think Mike Davis is going to get. I mean, upwards of 275 attempts because there's no one else. I don't think that's that crazy. I mean, last year, Todd Gurley, in the beginning of the year, before he started to really stink it up, he was getting 14 to 20 carries a game. He was on pace for 283 rushing attempts throughout the first half of the season. But you know, those last five games there, or I should say four games where he was getting those carries, it was 2.3 yards per carry, 2.7, 2.5, 2.7. And Atlanta was like, okay, we can't keep giving you the ball, Todd Gurley. And then they had no one else. So there was like no running game whatsoever. So I think that's why sooner or later they were like, okay, Gurley, we can't give you the ball 20 times. Now, if Mike Davis does better, hopefully he'll get them. I think he'll do better than 2.7 yards per carry, but I still think he'll be in the high threes. I don't think he'll get into the fours where we want our running backs.
1: He looked better when he had fresh legs, so I'm going to imagine he starts the year very strong. But you saw him wear down by the end of the season when they were utilizing him super heavily. He he completely busted out. So I think we definitely have to temper our expectations for what we can project Season long, but what do we realistically think is a spot where he should finish in the 2021 season? Give your. I still
0: think there's fringe RB2 like possibility pretty easily with him because I just, I love the offense. Like that offense, whoever was going to step in there as the actual primary back was going to have a good year, maybe not a great year, but like by default, you almost have to. Arthur Smith is coming over as their offensive coordinator. Of course, Derrick Henry is the last running back that he had. We're not going to anticipate Derrick Henry numbers, (laughs) but he loves to utilize a back pretty hardcore. So uh, Mike Davis, I think, pretty easily becomes an RB2. Yeah.
2: And I think so. Mike Davis last year was RB12, right? So people would say, well, now that he doesn't have to share those three games with CMC Maybe he gets more work in Atlanta. Like, should he be better? Probably not. I mean, he had 70 targets last year. The Panthers offense just was used to going through CMC. They just did the same thing with Mike Davis. They were like, we're going to keep targeting you like you're CMC out there. Not to the same extent, but you get what I'm saying. (laughs) With Atlanta last year, I know it's a different offense, but Ty Gurley led running backs and targets with like 33 targets and then now with arthur smith like you said he had derrick henry but it's not like he targeted running backs often in his offense so i if he's just getting the rushing attempts and i don't think he's going to be super efficient he's going to need to score like eight plus rushing touchdowns to be a rb2 which i think he can get to I think, I think RB2 is fair, like a running back 20 to 24. I
1: think that's a fair range
2: for him. Sure. And that's his
1: cost. Yeah. Yeah. I do think he's going to have volume-based production at the very least. Now, when you saw that picture, guys, did he
2: like shoot up your rankings any bit at all?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I, I jumped him like team. an entire tier based <laughs> off of that. It is. Not, I mean, at least it's nice. Like, hey, he's taking his fitness seriously this off season. Good for you, Mike. Way good to go. Good Lord. He uh, he looks like a, I keep saying
2: it, but how... Is it good for him? That's what I'm worried about. Being a linebacker is a running back. I don't know if
1: that's a good thing in this day and age. I guess we'll find out very soon. <laughs>
2: All right. Can we talk about the running back that he replaced last year? When he got hurt, Christian McCaffrey. Because he's way more exciting to talk about than Mike Davis, right? True. And this is our segment (laughs) for
1: today. We're going to be talking about props. I I threw up some props. So if you're looking around in the betting sphere right now, there's not too many player props available. You can bet Offensive Rookie of the Year, uh, maybe Leading Rusher, if you're super lucky. I haven't even been able to find that. But there are some player props, and it's mostly rookie-based stuff like that. So I threw a few player props that I want to know over or under for certain uh, expectations for your players and what that means for fantasy football and how that translates. So, Michelle, you started it off. We want to talk about Christian McCaffrey. I set the over-under at 1,700 scrimmage yards. What are we thinking? It's a lot. It's That's a lot of many. yards. What do you think, Jake? Does he hit it?
0: I think this is. It sounds like a lot of yards, but I think it's a comfortable mark for CMC to hit over 17 games, which is, that's the nice part, is we get that extra game this year to help sort of push him up to this mark here. (laughs) I mean, technically, that's correct. But in Mike Davis speaking about him in his 12 starts last year, I mean, he was on pace for like 1,400-some scrimmage yards, uh, if you extrapolate that to 17 games. CMC's better than Mike Davis. I'm just going to put that out there into the world in case somebody needed to hear it. Yeah, and they got a middle of the road defense in Carolina. I mean they're they're not terrible, but they're not fantastic. And Darnold, I mean, he'll jump off to running backs pretty confidently. <laughs> I think so, yeah. I'll take the over.
1: <laughs> the only thing he does confidently. Yeah, I mean I'm
2: easily taking <laughs> the over. He easily hit it the two seasons before he got hurt last year. He is still, to this day, is third in scrimmage yards since 2018 in the NFL. He missed 13 games last year, and he's still third in the NFL in scrimmage yards and fifth in the NFL in scrimmage touchdowns. That's nuts. he missed 13 games. (laughs) That is (laughs) wild. He gets so many touches. I mean, just uh, in 2019, he was first in the NFL in touches per game, first in scrimmage yards per game, first in scrimmage touchdowns per game. I don't, I, I don't see a world if he starts, especially 17 games where he doesn't hit 1,700 Cheater. scrimmage yards. He would have to fall off. I'll <laughs> say even at 16 games, when he's finished with his first 16 mm-hmm. games, he'll be past 1,700. He's just utilized far too much.
1: Okay, my question, I don't think though, he'll be
0: utilized. But, yeah.
1: That's my question. Will he be utilized as heavily? We saw what happened last season. Obviously, they they attempted to utilize him as heavily as possible when he was literally on the field, and it didn't work. He tried to return from injury out again. So how do you balance that need and desire to get him on the field with keeping him healthy? Because you just paid him a lot of money.
0: I think those are the two big things. It's the health. It's just, hey, let's not wreck this guy while we have this world-beating running back. But also, it's no longer Norv Turner's offense, who historically has only been a one running back guy as well. So they moved on from that in 2020. But you still saw that he was going to get a lot of touches still. But yeah, the health part is my only moderate concern. I still think he's utilized enough to get him there, though.
2: Yeah, I mean, in 2019... He, he had 52.5% of the touches on the Panthers offense. 52.5%. I know this is a different team. But still, 52.5 is insane. And then we saw him last year in the three games he played. He averaged 124 scrimmage yards per game in those three games and scored two touchdowns in each of those three games. Like he was just balling out whenever he was actually on the field. He's going to keep doing it. And I think in my head, he's the clear, clear, clear cut 101 in fantasy drafts for redraft.
0: Would you yeah, agree? I can't move away from him there. It's, it's just too I, I know that, that there's argument. slight concern. <laughs> well, also Who when, would you hypothetically even put above him? Like there's no name that immediately yeah. is like you have to put him 101 besides CMC.
2: Camara. Alvin Camara was so good last year, right? So good. He mm-hmm. scored a hundred fewer points last year than Christian McCaffrey did in 2019. A hundred fewer points. Like, it's not even close. And Alvin Kamara had a six-touchdown game. Like, imagine if he didn't have that six-touchdown game. <laughs> it would even be a bigger gap. It's it's CMC for me so easily because I just – it. like we're saying right now, if we envision him healthy all season long, which any running back could get hurt, he's going to have 1,700 scrimmage yards, and that's just not something you can say about any running back out there.
1: Yeah, he's right. definitely the 101 – Moving on, let's talk about another running back. Uh, kidding. Kidding. We're talking about Lamar Jackson. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh. Wait, already I wasn't, wasn't going to say it, I was, but I, it was a perfect segue, and I had to take the opportunity. Lamar Jackson, we know who he is. He is not a running back. He is a quarterback, but I want to set the bar relatively low here. And maybe I didn't account for the seventeen game slate properly, but that's okay. I w- I still I still think this stands. <laughs> Lamar Jackson over or under three thousand passing yards in the regular season.
2: I think with seventeen games this needs to move up to thirty two hundred. Okay, thirty two hundred. Thirty two hundred. We we're losers and we forgot about the seventeen game season, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Good thing Jake remembered. I did how, it.
1: How does one uh, I will forget say about that. I don't even know, I, but yeah, totally totally slipped my mind when I was coming up with all of these numbers. It's fine. <laughs> we're all fine. But I will say
0: even at 3200 yards over 17 games, I'm smashing the over here. I really am. And I know the concern with Lamar is like the pass attempts weren't there and they were dead last in pass attempts last year. The Ravens were. And I understand But if he can get 3,100 yards in 2019 with rookie Marquise Brown and Willie Sneed as his top two receivers, I see no reason that he can't absolutely get over that with the addition of Bateman and Tylan Wallace in the fourth round. And I, I know you guys know a lot more about the rookies than I do, but like... I expected Wallace, as many did, to go much higher than round four. So I think the talent is there. But also Sammy Watkins did get added to the team. And I know nobody talks about it because for fantasy, who cares? Because it's <laughs> Sammy Watkins. But he does help a quarterback, I think, more than Willie Sneed probably does um, to some extent. So I like it.
2: Um, I think I will go over because I do expect them to change up the offense. And for them to pass more now, even if they pass a hundred more times, that's only 475 attempts. That's a hundred more times, and yes, even with one more game, but that's still a massive, massive jump. I will say, when I did my projections out, I have them at 485 passing attempts. I'm being that seems far too very generous. It's way too much. It's way too much. But I want to see where I could get Rashad Bateman if I did the most, and I really can't get him to fantasy. Uh, being good in fantasy, like, no matter what I do. So I I probably will be staying away from Rashad Bateman, at least in redraft. Love the talent. Not loving the situation because even if you increase it like crazy, Mark Andrews is the wide receiver one there. Like, he is the main target, and he's not going away. I have Lamar Jackson at 3,500 yards, passing yards.
1: For those of you who are listening and, and questioning why this number is so low, Because I was actually surprised when I pulled up these stats. His big 2019 season, MVP season, he had 3,127 passing yards. He literally just broke that margin. 2020, 2,700 passing yards. Yeah. The volume is not there, but he's had just five games in the last season with 200 or more passing yards. That's... I mean, that's setting the bar. You can't set it much lower than that.
2: I also think people aren't realizing Lamar Jackson throwing more isn't probably good for fantasy. Like we all say, uh, rushing quarterbacks are a cheat code. Like if Lamar Jackson starts throwing more and er, and running less, that's not good for fantasy. And also right now defenses are so worried about the run game. If they start opening up and passing more – it's going to become harder for Lamar Jackson to have those wide open windows. I think he had like the fewest uh, completions last year, co- like percentage of completions in a tight window because they're so worried. Defenses are so worried about the run game. These players are just wide open, especially over the middle. Mark Andrews is just like 10 yards is the closest defender. It's so easy. So if it starts getting tighter windows, his completion percentage might drop as well. So even with the increase in attempts, like how many more yards will it be if the completion percentage goes down?
1: So I want you guys to consider this. Quarterbacks, a PFF has a, a metric where you can track adjusted completion percentage. So that basically looks at the quarterback's production. It, all those throwaway balls, they don't count. Drops don't count. This literally puts it purely back onto the quarterback and tells you what would he have done if everything else was the way it should have been. Let me give you a list of quarterbacks that managed a higher adjusted completion percentage than Lamar Jackson. Are you guys ready? ready? Nick oh, yeah. Mullins, Andy Dalton, Gardner Minshew. He tied Daniel Jones. That's not good. Like, well, that if is- you tell people
2: his accuracy numbers are crap, they flip the they shit do out flip- on
1: you. They do flip. <laughs> but I'm just saying it's – it's not, I don't, I love this stat so much. And I think it just puts a lot back on the quarterback and allows you to remove some of those extraneous factors because, I mean, drops do matter for quarterbacks and all of that matters for quarterbacks. But I mean, when you're telling me you tied Daniel Jones, you are just as good a passer as Daniel Jones. No, I don't like that. And you know what? I don't even buy that they're going to increase the passing volume that significantly. We heard it all before. And
2: remember, Daniel Jones didn't have a rushing game. Defenses weren't worried at all about the rushing attack of the New York Giants. I don't know. I don't. Know. I, hey, they, he it,
1: had a ninety anyways, something this, yard this run. segment wasn't yeah.
2: crap on Lamar Jackson. We're both. I'm actually going over thirty two hundred passing yards. So mm. I'm going over. I'm taking the under. Kate's taking the under. Jake Ooh. is going over. Now where would you take him in fantasy really quick? Like, he was a quarterback one just two years ago, kind of fell off last year. Where do you think he lands this year? Do you think he can come back into the top five?
0: Yeah, I'm comfortable with him right on the bottom of that. I I don't think I would expect him to be uh, even a top three guy. That's how narrow this gets for me. But I don't see a reason that he couldn't get back there.
2: Okay, cool. Yeah, I feel the same. He really came on heavy again at the end of the year. He got his... He got his rushing game going again and was scoring more touchdowns. So uh, the biggest part is the, the passing touchdowns just dropped dramatically. And the touchdown percentage, we all said last offseason, like that wasn't going to stay that high. It was 9.0% in 2019. That came down to 69 And honestly, 6.9% touchdown is still very high. So we could see another drop off, which would be not fun.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I think I'm not, I'm like out on Lamar Jackson this season. And it's because of all of the stuff we've already said, Michelle, you hit on the touchdown percentage was uh, 9% in 2019, unfathomable. And we saw a drop like down to the kind of efficiency that still maybe not even sustainable from year to year. And then he still finished as the quarterback, what, 10 in fantasy points per game. And you have to draft him as probably the quarterback Another five. Another
2: thing that wasn't brought up, one last thing. If Lamar Jackson is throwing more often, he's going to throw more interceptions. He threw nine last year and only had three hundred and seventy six attempts. Like, that's you bring that up closer to five hundred, he's gonna have upwards of nearly fifteen interceptions. Uh so
1: that could hurt to him as well. I'm I, I I'm out. But I do wanna post. You are just gonna be like, You're Steeler fans. Me. <laughs> no, it's me. It's literally all the stuff I just is said. Is that
0: what they sound like, man? That's how Here's they sound.
2: <laughs> yes, that's what I picture when I read tweets from people crying to me. All right, next up, <laughs> let's get away from Lamar Jackson. Uh, DeAndre Swift going into a second season. Detroit Lions running back Adrian Peterson is now gone. He has not yet signed with a team. Still worried that he might go to the Bills and ruin. My Zach Moss, can't go an episode without saying his name. And now DeAndre Swift has to compete with Jamal Williams. Backup running back for Green Bay all those years. Now in Detroit. I think we we talked about him. Jake and I and Kate are all a little bit nervous about Jamal Williams taking away carries from Swift. But he's utilized in the passing game quite a lot. He was as a rookie, and we expect that again this year because there's no pass catcher in that offense. Do we think... <laughs> That DeAndre Sift can end as a top 12 running back this year.
1: Over under RB12 finish.
0: This is the hardest one for me because it's so... There is a group of guys that is like 20 deep that could all hit RB12 exactly. I know that's such a cop out at this stage, but it's true. It's really
2: not a cop out because I think the same
0: exact way. And Jamal, I hate to be that guy as the Packers fan here, but like Jamal Williams is so much better than people give him credit for. There are, there's so many worse free agents that could have signed and it would have been great for Swift. Jamal Williams is also a very capable pass catcher. He can do, he is not as good and as talented as Swift. I 100% concede that, but as a backup, it's about as good as you can get and if if this offense doesn't hum, the way that people are thinking, it's going to be kind of a trash heap this year. Uh, that's bad news for any running back, no matter who it is. So I think I will take the under. I'll put him outside the twelve for now.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm also bumping him out of probably even the top fifteen. I'm. I, I'm apparently the naysayer of this group today. I do think when you're looking at his usage in the passing game last season, you got to respect it. He had pretty much like a solid five targets per game, just solid, was pretty efficient on the ground, but I want to look at the touchdown production. So scoring eight touchdowns in the 2020 season, he scored eight of eight of those touchdowns in the red zone. That ratio is a hundred percent folks. He scored six of eight touchdowns inside the five. My question to you guys is, how often do you think they're going to be in the red zone? How often do you think they are going to be inside the five?
2: Well, that's also just a, a crazy efficiency, which you have to expect that to drop. So that's why I was wondering, like, how in the world did DeAndre Swift have eight touchdowns? Like, Because <laughs> I, I just don't remember them, I guess. Eight rushing touchdowns? Like, when did they score that often? When was Swift in the end zone that often? Like I just don't remember that. But apparently he was just hyper efficient. I do think like Swift kind of proved me wrong. I, I was not loving his talent as an actual pure runner, but he looked pretty good on his limited carries last year. Uh, and his utilization as a pass catcher is not a joke. Like seven, he was on pace for seventy targets last year, and. That's just his rookie season. And like I said, they have no wide receivers. So that number should not go down. It should only go up. So I do actually like him for fantasy next year. But it's like Jake said, there's just, it's hard to get him inside that top 12. Because you're taking CMC, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, I'd still take over him. Austin Eckler, I'd still go over him. So that's nine right there, and then he's like kind of in that group of the cam makers. I, I would still go with Antonio Gibson, and then Joe Mixon would be in that group. You have Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Like you just have some question marks, so it, it's hard to get him in the top twelve and feel confident about it. i put him top fifteen though. I put him top fifteen. Okay. But over under, I would I would go with the under if I had to bet.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. Justin Jefferson, rookie wide receiver who accomplished quite a feat, 1400 receiving yards, 7 touchdowns. He was incredible and just it felt it felt like he came out of absolute nowhere because you saw him work alongside Adam Thielen who was also pretty productive in the same offense. Where did the production go from the quarterback? I don't know because it didn't feel like Kirk Cousins was that productive either. What was going on, I don't know, but he accomplished something really incredible. 1,400 yards is a lot for literally any wide receiver, let alone a rookie wide receiver. Do we think he hits it again? Over under 1,400 receiving yards.
0: I don't feel super confident in saying this, but I am going to lean on the over here. What's so impressive about last year, aside from everything, is the (laughs) fact that he didn't even really get going until a few games in, as most rookies do. They have that little buffer period uh, before they sort of blossom into what you hope that they can be. And if you factor those sort of away and you give him those few games of his later season production, all of a sudden it's impossible for me to believe he'll score fewer than that or, or to produce fewer than 1,400. I'm also, an, I'm out on Adam Thielen this year, which is part of it. I, I'm just, I'm buying the drop. That dip in production, I don't think was a fluke for him. Um, partially the age thing, but also partially just Justin Jefferson is better, I think, as a wide receiver. <laughs> the only real concern I have is, like, how many attempts are they going to have this year? Because 27th, I believe they were ranked last year in pass attempts, I don't. Yeah, that can go up, of course. And that division, though, is also so bad now. The NFC North might be losing Aaron Rodgers. They lost Matt Stafford, who is going to be the quarterback in Chicago right now. So maybe they don't even have to throw that much. But I just want to believe in the talent. So I will lean the over here.
2: Yeah. And their defense is still like I think it's going to be pretty rough next year. So I do believe they have to throw more. Like last year didn't work. You ran all that time and you were a losing team. Like you gotta you gotta try to win some games. You can't play so scared. So you would think that they would throw more often. What Gary Kubiak retired and now his son took over as the offensive play caller. Let's hope the younger age makes for more passing. Cause you know, us youngins like the passing work. You know, those old men are all about the they're rushing. My dad's always like, all this, all this passing, I want to have a defensive rushing game.
1: I was going to say, did you just subtweet your dad yeah. via our
2: podcast? <laughs> no, I will say with Justin Jefferson, though, you're so right. Like, it was a, actually a tale of two seasons. Justin Jefferson had plenty of good games in the first half, but he was used totally different. In the first half of the season, the first eight games, he had 88 targets. Sorry, he was on pace for the season for 88 targets. He had 44 targets but he was averaging 18.4 yards per reception. So there he was still on pace for 1,250 yards because of his really high yards per reception. But then in the second half of the season for the last eight games, he was on pace for 162 targets, almost double the targets for a 16-game season. But that number of yards per reception came down, 14.3, which is fine, that's still a good number. And he was on pace for 1,550 yards. So I kinda like the way they used him way better in the second half, not just as that deep type of threat. They are using him as a target monster and kind of Adam Thielen went away in the second half of the season. So I agree with you. I think Justin Jefferson totally takes over. Uh, Thielen I still think is a fine value because people aren't that high on him. And he scores touchdowns like no other. But Justin Jefferson is kind of that dude that I I think he can repeat 1,400 receiving yards, or at least get very close. What about you, Kate?
1: I'll take the over. Just he accomplished so much in his rookie season. I think there is room to grow. Second highest receiving grade per PFF versus man coverage. 12 contested catches. You got to love that. That shows you nice hands. The yards after the catch. He was just a really complete wide receiver in his rookie season that I have to imagine he continues on that path. I think Kirk Cousins is a good enough quarterback. I think the run game helps the situation a lot. Now, my only question, didn't Justin Jefferson just come out to say that he threw a little shade on Kirk Cousins, so maybe we do have to worry about that target share. Came out, he was very honest. He was on an interview, I believe it was with Colin Coward, came out and they just asked sort of what's the difference between playing with Kirk Cousins and playing with Joe Burrow. And it wasn't the most flattering picture painted in general. No, it was it wasn't. something
0: about the fact of like basically being able to shrug off hits kind of thing, right? Or, or playing scared or something like yes, that yes. was how he phrased it and how Joe Burrow doesn't. But he didn't really, he didn't come out and say that Kirk does. He just really specified that Joe doesn't play that way. So, yeah, that is a little weird.
2: And, I mean, we've seen wide receivers not love Kirk Cousins. Stephon Diggs called him a robot and said he's not a very good leader. Uh, like, just straight outside, he loves Josh Allen. So... I I think Kirk Cousins has his own issues. I don't think that's going to affect Justin Jefferson because Kirk Cousins is a good passer. He actually is, and he's accurate. So he'll get Justin Jefferson the ball where it needs to go. He just needs to throw it down the field a little bit more. One thing, or actually two things I want to add very, very quickly about Justin Jefferson. Something I look at, to see if a rookie wide receiver might regress or any wide receiver might regress going into next year, is yards after the catch per reception. Because if it's a super high number, you know, sometimes these wide receivers average like eight to nine yards of the catch per reception in a season. Like that's not really sustainable. It's going to drop. Last year, though, Justin Jefferson averaged 5.1 yards after the catch per reception. It's still a good number. It's higher, but that's absolutely sustainable. So we don't have to expect that number to drop. He doesn't need more targets for him to have that same production, which I really love. And another thing that we all always check on, be like, you know, if he scored double-digit touchdowns, we might say, like, that's gonna come down. He only scored seven touchdowns last year. Like that could easily increase and it should increase. So he could even have a hundred less yards, a couple more touchdowns, and that's gonna make up for it. Justin Jefferson, I think, is a really, like, he's expensive in drafts, but I think he's worth it.
1: Let's move on. Last but not least, we have one more guy before we get into Jake's ballsy take of the week. I want to talk about TJ Hawkinson. Apparently, this is a very Lions-focused podcast today. TJ Hawkinson, over, under 80 receptions. There's nobody else there. There's literally, there's nobody else there. I think... The entire state of Michigan has been officially vacated, evacuated, and it's just TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift at this point and Jared Goff sitting around a sad campfire. The lines of 360 vacated targets. That's a lot of targets. I mean, is this setting the bar too low for TJ Hawkinson? Probably, yes.
2: 80 receptions over under, I would smash that over. I mean, he had 67 last year. I know he wasn't really playing with that many great players last year either, but he, Marvin Jones is still there. Marvin Jones is a better wide receiver than Brashad Perriman or Tyrell Williams or Amon Ross, A. Brown, in his rookie season. I just think TJ Hawkinson going into his third year – You know, that's a prime season for a tight end. It just takes some time to learn. Like, he's going to be the focal point of that offense. And he should be. Like, he should be. I, I do think he gets over 80 receptions.
1: Jake?
0: Yeah, he has to be the focal point of the offense. My only concern is, like, we're talking about it. Who else is there? Sometimes, of course, that's a great and wonderful thing. And sometimes it's just the defense is like, well, let's take out Hawkinson today and see what else these buffoons are able to do against (laughs) us. And maybe they're not able to do anything. Now, I I don't want to completely write off like every receiver that's there. There's some... Very wonderful people there. Rashad Perryman is a good player. I like Quintus Seafest because I'm a Wisconsin homer. And who else is. I, I can't even think of the other names, actually. So maybe that says everything. Tyrell Williams. That's who I was trying to think of. Uh, yeah. Rashad
2: Perryman. Rashad Perryman and Tyrell Williams. And yeah. Tyrell Williams had that one good year with the Chargers. Rashad
1: Perryman had that one good year with the Bucks. You mean (laughs) one good They could all put their
0: one good year together.
2: Yeah. uh, He had his four good games with the Bucks. I'm actually a really big Paramount fan this year. I'm going to have him on every single roster because I'm going to take him in the last He's going to be the best value. Because I actually, yeah, I think he's the best wide receiver in that group. And they cannot, like, no offense can only use a tight end. Like, you're not going to win very many games if you do that. Right. It can be the focal point, but you can't only use them. I mean, some like last year in, in with the Raiders, we saw Darren Waller be the guy, and I think that's what Hawkinson can do as well. But we also saw Nelson Aguilar have his fantasy days. I think that will kind of be the same, same with like Perriman. It might be hard to kind of know which weeks to start him, but I do think he has some big sure. weeks.
0: To that point, I do want to say, like, of course, it's bad all-around quality from the outside. That's what it looks like to everybody. And so the two focal points, let's say, let's say it's Hawkinson and Swift as the other focal point, then. I do think Stowe Hawkinson is good enough and talented enough that even if they do key in on him the entire game, he'll still get his. I just don't know if it's going to look as glorious as we all want it to. But I will take the over on 80 receptions.
1: 90. Oof.
0: Mm, I can't get him there. I want to? I do. I want to, I can't in that offense.
1: Even I with all the throwing think, you're gonna have to do. I think I want to get him there. With Jared Goff, we saw Rob
2: Gronkowski's it. top season was ninety receptions. Do you think that he's going to have more receptions than Rob Gronkowski's best season? You do. Yeah. That's pretty that's pretty crazy.
1: I didn't mean to take over the ballsy take of the week. I really didn't with Jared Goff. We did see him utilize the tight end position. Plenty Tyler Higbee and Gerald Everett in the 2019 season combined for 149 targets, 1100 receiving yards, five touchdowns last season combined for 122 targets. And that's in an offense with really talented wide receivers. He, he used the position last year. The lions led the league in points allowed. And guess what? They were dead last in coverage they didn't do crap to address the secondary. They didn't do any. I think they're still going to need to throw the ball plenty. And drafting Penny Sewell was a
2: great get for them in the first round. Uh, an amazing tackle that will really destroy that line up and give Jared Goff a second to find his receivers. And hopefully it won't keep TJ Hawkinson in for blocking. Too much because we don't want we don't want the line to stink and the whole uh, offense there, to stink and have Hawkinson like block too many snaps. There
1: literally wouldn't be anybody else to catch the ball. <laughs> you have to. You can't. We use just him talked at, about how nice
0: Quintez Cephas is. Stop trying very, to drown him.
1: He's very well mannered, but I literally would not be surprised. And Michelle, you talk about T.J. Hawkinson when you compare him to Rob Gronkowski. T.J. Hawkinson was a very highly touted. Draft prospect. Yes, he was called Baby Gronk. Yeah. So and, I don't know why. We're... I'm just
2: saying Gronk's top season in his NFL career was 90 receptions. No, we've seen Darren Waller have 100, 100 plus receptions last if year. If he exceeds, 90 receptions the year before,
1: if he exceeds 100 or 90 receptions, we have to call him Daddy Gronk now.
0: Ooh,
1: ooh! I'm on board. Uh, I kind of want to do that anyways, <laughs> but I'm
0: definitely on board if this happens.
1: I love it. I love it. Jake, let's get into your ballsy take of the week. That's pretty ballsy. Pretty ballsy. Covered our asses out there, man. Some ballsy shots. Get ballsy.
0: So I've noticed a certain level of speck against this. Running back Chris Carson. I've said this before on on the Twitter sphere, but he feels like the Jarvis Landry of running backs. He is hmm. perennially underrated, disrespected, but always productive. So I'm coming out with it. I'm saying Chris Carson will finish 2021 as a top 10 running back in points per game. Note that with the asterisk because no, I'm not banking on full health. But <laughs> while he plays. Top 10 running back and the best fantasy running back in the NFC West. And yes, that includes Cam Akers. Sorry, at me. Uh, But Chris Carson's overall finishes. So 2020, he missed four games. Still finished as the RB19 overall with that missed. 2019, he was the RB12, missed a game. 2018, RB14, missed two games. He misses games. It's going to happen probably this year. But while he plays, you're going to be psyched. Um, Last year was really interesting with Seattle, too. It really was the first half and the second half were so different for that team. Like, they started off super pass heavy. Hey, let's make Russ happy. Let's let him throw. And then that got abandoned halfway through the season. And then they were a traditional Seattle run offense. But what's interesting is that so perfectly aligns with Chris Carson's injury. So middle of the year, he misses four games. The first five games that he plays... His 16-game pace during that time would have been 269 total touches, 74 targets, 1,373 total yards, and 20 touchdowns, which is an absurd number, and no, that would never actually happen in real life. The second half, he comes back from his injury. The last five games of the season, his pace would have been 275 total touches, 61 targets, 1,404 total yards, only six touchdowns, but touchdowns are not sticky one way or the other, I don't think. So I'm not going to bank too much on that. Either way you look at it, though, he was super involved in the offense. It was just a matter of, was he running the ball more or was he catching the ball more? So if Seattle comes out next year and they say, hey, we really do want to be a run first team again, like some of the coaching staff has been alluding to, you're fine, because Chris Carson's going to get a bulk load of rushing attempts. If they want to let Russ Cook, cool. Carson's going to be involved in the passing game either way. Uh, but that touch number is really significant, because only seven running backs last year had 270 or more touches. And they're the names that you would basically expect. It's Derek Henry, it's Dalvin Cook, Josh Jacobs. Interesting, because, <laughs> yeah, there is nobody <laughs> else in the Raiders. David Montgomery, Zeke, James Robinson. That ain't happening this year. And Alvin Kamara. So I'm just so in on him because their contract—they brought him back. They let him test free agency. It didn't work so well for him, so they're like, "Come on back for a couple of years."
1: You failed. And the contract the test. is
0: really only set up. Yeah, the contract's really only set up for a year because they have a super easy out after 2022, anyhow, uh, or before 2022. So they're gonna run him into the ground. They're not worried about like like with CMC where they're like, "Let's savor this." He's just going to get run into the ground. I'm not scared of Rashad Penny or DJ Dallas behind him on the depth chart either. So (laughs) lock that in. Top 10 for Carson.
1: Yeah, I I, I, I really like that. And he's going to be just, he does feel like this guy who's just perennially underdrafted. And then when he plays, you are the happiest camper in the world. But he's never worth to other managers and your fantasy football leagues what he is worth just being on your roster. Yep.
2: For sure. You Like, he would be the most perfect running back, too, because he consistently scores. Now, maybe he doesn't have, like, monster games that you want out of your running back one, even if he ends as the running back 10 in points per game. Like, maybe he's just more consistent as he is with, like, those boom games, but that makes the perfect running back, too. If you, if you had a guy in your running back one spot that could just have, like, monster games... Uh, like uh, Austin Eckler you know like just someone that gets a ton of receptions can have monster games and then a Chris Carson like I love that combo together and you're right like he is the guy in Seattle as much as I want Rashad Penny to be a thing he's just not going to be (laughs) I I could still hold out hope that his ACL comes back completely perfect but it just seems like that knee injury is probably just too much for him to overcome I hope I'm completely wrong but even if he is like healthy Chris Carson's still going to be the man there this year he's gonna get the majority of the touches and he's just really good he's a really good player uh i didn't give him enough credit a couple years ago when they drafted penny uh the you know penny going into second season i was like oh he can beat out chris carson no he can't because chris carson's really good uh and he's still really good so i i i like this take
1: by you chris carson yes good at football that is our show for today i love the ballsy take i'm gonna give it a I'm I'm going to give it a no-baller because I think that Ooh. it makes perfect sense. But I, I'm sure fantasy Twitter will disagree with me and say balls galore. <laughs> well,
2: because people want all the shiny new pieces. They want DeAndre Swift over Chris Carson. Now, which would you rather have really quick before we end the show? DeAndre Swift in the second or Chris Carson in the fourth? I'll take Chris Carson in the fourth all day long.
1: I think Jake Same said he would take Chris Carson period, over Cam Akers. No, DeAndre Swift. I'm DeAndre saying. Swift. But Cam both. Akers, he I will take him over
2: both. <laughs> both. Yeah, oh. I could see that.
1: All right, everybody. We are going to close out the show. Let us know what you think of Jake's ballsy take of the week. Be sure to check out ballblastfootball.com. Lots of exciting work going on there. Lots of Cool projects with our writing staff. We have the betting guide. We have a best ball guide to help you get through your underdog drafts. If you are so generous, please smash that five-star review. Help others find the show. Follow wherever you listen. We'll see you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye.
0: That's it for this week's Ball Blast Fantasy Football Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave those five-star reviews, and check out ballblastfootball.com for more league-winning advice.